Welcome to our podcast. I'm Charlotte. And I'm Jillian. And today we will be reading a narrative writing piece we wrote together about the Holocaust. If you don't know, the Holocaust was a traumatic time for many Jewish people in the year of 1942. The story we will be reading is about a fictional character included in this time, Derek, and his little sister, Lila, who were forced into concentration camps. Now, let's begin reading. Dear Diary, the morning started off great. Lila and I played hide-and-seek almost all day. After Mom made a delicious dinner, she had heard loud and frightening noises coming from outside. She told Lila and I to run to our small basement and lock the door behind us. It was cold outside, and a cool draft flowed through the basement. Lila was shivering and hovering by my side. She looked very nervous, so I gave her reassurance that she was okay, and that I was there to protect her. Well, so I thought I could. We heard gunshots throughout the house and horrific screams from my mother. We froze when we heard the door burst open and loud clunking shoes running down the old wooden steps. As we ran to the couch, we heard about five soldiers screaming, Show yourself! We saw the head soldier's old, angry expression. We could tell he was not having a good day. When they eventually found us, they grabbed us from behind and took us to these large white trucks filled with fellow neighbors. We were sweaty and petrified. Lila began to sob violently. I told her I was always going to be by her side and comforted her once again. The villagers were screaming and begging the soldiers to take them back to their cozy homes. The soldiers were not having it, and one said, One more peep and I'll throw you right into the smokestack. Lila looked confused and curiously asked me, What's a smokestack? I didn't know what a smokestack was, so I didn't answer. I just shrugged. The rest of the cramped ride was silent, except for the soldiers having a quiet conversation. Day two. As I looked around the truck, I realized that I could not spot our parents, though there was a sea of faces in the crack. The truck came to a halt. We had finally arrived at our destination. They opened the door to the truck, and hundreds of villagers came tumbling out of the cramped vehicle. I looked up at the old gate which said, work makes you free in Yiddish. The gates opened and before I knew it, the rest of the villagers and I were forced into what looked to be a camp. When I took a look around the camp, I could see smoke exiting a large building. I knew that was the smokestack the soldiers had mentioned earlier. They were definitely not bluffing. Right as we entered, the villagers and I were separated into different groups of male and female. I knew this was terrible because Lila was only six. And without parents or me, she would be nervous even around friendly villagers. As I was separated from Lila, I saw my friend Tim from an old village school in the village. He was pale and expressionless, and I told him we were going to get out of here. They threw us into rooms with showers. The water was cold, and there was no privacy around us. After we bathed and got dressed, a man with a pair of scissors and a rusty razor had made his way towards us. He had a woe expression on his face and was very skinny. I knew he was another prisoner. He started with an older man, who already didn't have much hair, and worked his way until he got to me and Tim. I asked the dull man why he was doing this, and he harshly said to prevent lice. I could tell he was sick of this question. As he moved to the next villagers, I touched the top of my head where my brown hair used to be. Gone. I was now bald, and I was scared to look up at Tim, who originally had a full head of hair. Tim had teared up as he reached the top of his head. I did too again, and with doing that, I felt the smoothness of my scalp. There was not one hair spared. He left the room with soldiers guarding him close. We sat in this cold room for a few hours. That was when I knew that many villagers were missing. I cautiously asked the guard where everyone had gone, and an older man had pointed to the smokestack through a small window in the side of the room. 
I looked back at Tim, and the man said this as he was shivering, due to the coldness of the room and the pure fear. I thought about Tim, who had no siblings and no parents in sight. I also thought about Lila, her sweet expression and how she brings joy to whoever she meets. She was now bland and terrified. I couldn't imagine what she thought about having no hair and wet, cold clothing on. Soldiers finally let us out of the room, and we were thrown into a neat line, where a man with a type of pen sat silently in the front. As the man came towards the standing villagers, he blocked out their cries and did not have any regrets. He began engraving letters and numbers on their arm. He explained to them that that was their new identity. When he put the needle on my arm, I hesitated and pulled away. Next thing I knew, I could feel his tight grip squeezing my arm as the blade carved out J14332 on my skin. This is your name. From now on, you will go by J14332, said the man. I couldn't stop looking at my arm. The ink had sunk deep into my arm deeply, and some of the ink had feathered out. One soldier got me out of my stare by shouting, Pay attention! Get in line! Quickly! We entered a big room that looked like an old warehouse that had wooden shelves that lined on the walls. The soldier pushed us in the room and said, Sleep, and expect much work for tomorrow. As he slammed the door, it scraped my ankle badly, and it was hard to walk. Luckily, a kind man going by the name Henry gave up his lower bunk for me. I laid down in the cupboard with no blankets, just hay. It was uncomfortable, but I could handle it, so I wrapped my skirt with a piece of cloth from my shirt and fell asleep. Day 3. I woke up bright and early. My back was cramping from the hard wooden bunks. The first thing I heard was the loud voice of the soldier saying, Wake up! Wake up! You have a lot of work to do today. I rubbed my eyes and jumped off my bunk. My stomach felt empty and I was longing for a meal. I hadn't eaten in three days. I asked him when we were going to be fed, but all he said was, You eat when you are given food, said the man. Why? I asked. You must earn your food. If you wish to be fed, you have to do exactly as we say when we say it. We were shoved into a line outside of camp walls to an area which housed a giant staircase. Climb. Bring down the rocks and go again. Quickly. Hurled the guard loud and clear. I started up the stairs and a sharp pain traveled through my legs. But I kept going. I didn't want to be sent to the smokestack on my first day of work. I didn't want to be sent up there any days. The sharp rocks on the steps pinched my feet. I picked up the smallest boulder I found. I was very weak, and it was hard for even that one. When I finally got my stone to the bottom, I saw that the shoulders were taking away some people from the group back to camps. No, I said with a quiet tone. After I stared for a while, I turned around and began to walk up the stairs once again. After working a long, tiring day, I headed back to my room. We all received bowls with several kinds of purposes. They filled it with small amounts of food. The food was mushy and dirty and rotten, but I still ate it because I was starving. I leaned against the wall, eating quietly. I changed my position and laid my head towards the borders when I started to feel the wooden boards break. It led to a hidden tunnel in the wall. There are many different paths to take. I decided to take the one closest to the left after I finished eating. It was dark, but I saw a form of light at the end of the tunnel. It was blurry when I exited the tunnel, but I realized I was located in a different barrack. People looked my way and began to smile. I couldn't believe it. The first face I saw was the one I felt I hadn't seen in a long time. Dad? I yelled as I ran up to hug him. I told him that we had to get out of here and that I came through the tunnel. He explained to me that he couldn't abandon all the other men in the room. So I agreed to take them with us. We started crawling through the cramped tunnel. One by one, each person climbed in. We decided to go to the tunnel on the right now. This tunnel was darker than the one leading to the men's barracks. 
Once my father broke through the wood, we knew we were in the woman's bath. On the top of one of the beds, I saw Lila and my mother huddled together to fight off the cold. I quietly ran and climbed up to the top. Carefully, not to wake the others, I tapped my mother's shoulder and she grinned sleepily, right before I jumped down to give them some space. This next part is going to be from a different character's point of view, and it's going to be from Derek's younger sister, Lila's point of view. I could hear my mother wake up and say my big brother's name. I jumped off the bed and ran to him. Derek, I screamed. I missed you so much. He patted my head and gave me a hug. He told mom and I that we, could, that we needed to get in the tunnel. Tunnels are scary, and I don't like scary things. I told him I didn't want to, but he forced me to go. I stayed close to Dad's side the whole way through. I was nervous, and I didn't know where the tunnel would lead to. I heard a loud crashing sound and people laughing happily and grinning at one another. I finally got out and got a breath of fresh air, not smelly like the inside of camps and wired gates. Free. I was enjoying this moment until I heard loud thumping boots approaching us. A really tall and scary man pointed a gun at us. I was crying, and my mom told me to stay put. My brother had told the scary man that we are people too, and we are deserving of a happy life. The man put the gun down and then let us go. We ran far away past the gate until we heard people screaming for help. My mom said to just leave it be, but I told her we need to save them. I unlocked the door using my hair clip and let the people free. They were so grateful and thanked us. And then we all moved far away with the prisoners. We would never have to go through this again. Once again, we were happy, and I got to play all day with my brother, get yummy food from my parents, and best of all, to be free from an awful place that many are forced to be in.